My name is Erin Weideman, and you are listening to Heroes for Her. This series features candid conversations with real women who strive to balance their professional acumen with their personal values. Join me as I interview positive female role models who are working hard, loving others, and inspiring the next generation of girls to serve their unique purpose. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Heroes for Her. My guest today is Pastor Van Moody. Van Moody has a passion for healthy transformation in individuals and organizations around the world. His compelling voice has been heard in so many amazing places, most recently at the 30th anniversary of the March on Washington with Pope John Paul II in Rome, Italy, and in Tokyo, Japan, and as an associate trainer for Dr. John Maxwell's leadership organization, Equip. Most recently, Van Moody has become a core team member of Dr. Oz and is featured on the Dr. Oz show on ABC. Van Moody resides in Birmingham, Alabama with his lovely wife, Dr. Ty, and their two children, Eden Sydney and Ethan Isaiah. Van Moody, welcome to Heroes for Her. Thank you for having me. It's a joy to be with you. So I've done a lot of research in, in leading up to this conversation, and it, it's exciting for me because we we so rarely have men on the show Heroes for Her. It's really, really exciting to get to ask you some of these questions that I've got just through through the lens of leadership and the work that you do as a pastor and a speaker and in all of the spheres of influence where you operate. Um I'm just excited to talk to you. Your your recent book, The I Factor, and I'd like you just as a, you know, for people that haven't read the book or just are getting just a brief introduction to you right now, would you give sort of an overview about your book, The I Factor? And just keeping in mind, most of our parents are, most of the listeners on this show are parents and other mentors and champions of the next generation of girls. Will you talk about The I Factor and the three dynamics that you feel are essential to discovering what God has for us? all of us. Absolutely. Well, regardless of age or even stage of life, I think this conversation about the I factor is necessary. And so it's an honor to even talk with parents, because I think that one of the greatest jobs any parent uh, has is to make sure that a healthy I factor is formed within their children. And the I factor is all about how a person relates to themselves. It's how they think about themselves, how they feel about themselves, um, how they relate to themselves. Because I've learned over many years of work, not only in ministry, but in leadership and business, you can be very talented, you can be very gifted, but if you cannot manage yourself well, that will ultimately be your undoing and it will significantly cripple your life and hinder the purpose to which all of us are called. And so the I factor is about making sure that you're healthy internally from the inside out because everything starts with you. And I don't mean that in a selfish, uh, self-absorbed way. I mean that real success flows from the inside out, not the other way around. And what I've realized, and I talk about it extensively in the book, is that a healthy I factor really revolves around three significant components. Um, Getting to a place of health in your identity also understanding your sense of significance and your perspective. Identity is about who you are. Who are you at your core? And when you understand that, that's really the foundation out of which everything else flows. Significance is akin to really your purpose. A lot of people love to ask the question of purpose. You know, why am I here? But identity and significance actually is the question that precedes the why question, which is the who question. Who am I? God created me for a reason. 
And let me, first of all, tap into that because it's the who question that infuses the why question. So it's identity, it's significance. But then the third component of a healthy eye factor is perspective. It's all about how you view life and how you view the obstacles and ups and downs that are inherent to life. It's not about having a clean pathway. Nobody lives a mistake-free life. But the difference between real leaders and people that go on and accomplish great things and people that don't is not that they didn't have any mistakes. It's how they viewed those mistakes when they came up. And when you have the right perspective, your obstacles and your mistakes and your hurdles become stepping stones instead of stumbling blocks. And so that's really what your I factor is all about. And that's, you know, the core of the issue. And I think for parents, if we can make sure that our kids are healthy internally, that our kids have a healthy I factor, then we are really creating the greatest runway for them to be the people that God called them to be and to live a successful life. And success is not about money. It's really about fulfilling your purpose and your potential. But in order to do that, you need a healthy eye factor. Well, I think the most exciting part of this conversation for me is that, I I mean, I can speak for myself as the parent of a young daughter. My my daughter's three. And so many of the parents, moms and dads that are listening, this is what we want. We want to be able to guide this conversation, to, to have moments and experiences with our kids where we are helping them ask these questions about themselves. And so much of our time, at least for what, you know, when our kids are in that early season of life, you know, zero to elementary school, essentially our focus and our our desire for training them and building up their care, character has so much to do with how they perceive other people, the relationships that are outside themselves. So what would you say to a parent who gets what you're saying is going, okay, I do want to develop a healthy way for my own son or daughter to ask these questions, to be able to learn enough about who they are before we get to how are you interacting with the world around you and your peers and your family and your friends and all the people outside yourself that you have to grow a healthy relationship? Like, where do you start? Well, the first thing is awareness. And so one of the things that I hope to do with the book is to bring awareness to the fact that this is important and is needed. Uh, A lot of times, particularly as parents, we spend so much time reacting um, instead of planning and being intentional. And so with this awareness, I hope to challenge and encourage all people, but particularly parents, um, to number one, know that this is important. But then number two, to be intentional about engaging your children on this level. So it's really about changing uh, the conversation. It's really about giving yourself permission to have these kinds of conversations with your children so that they can begin to think about these things. My my kids are nine and eight. And so not much older uh, than, than your beautiful daughter. But one of the things that I realized as a parent is that once I began to raise these questions, once I began to have these conversations with them, it began to change the way that they started processing through their world. Because what I did intentionally was to challenge them to go in first before going out. And a lot of times as parents, we always start with the external first instead of the internal. And what that does is we end up later on in life reacting to who our children have become instead of crafting and helping to shape who they ultimately are called to be. 
Gosh, that's so well put. I would love to know, and and it's great that you've got a son and daughter, and you can kind of see this through the lens of parenting a boy versus parenting a girl. Because I mean, you know, and even as we're talking, you're thinking about how truly different they are. Um, but what does that practically look like for conversations with Eden and conversations with Isaiah? Well, you know what it first of all um, looks like is I understand, and my wife understands, and and she and I are on the same page with this. And that's also very important um, for parents to be aligned in their pursuit of developing healthy eye factors within their children. Um, But it, it starts with our awareness that our number one job beyond making sure that they're rooted in Christ and, and that we develop character and all of that. But one of our preeminent responsibilities is to affirm their identity, meaning that their sense of identity is not going to come from anything external. It's not going to come from how they perform in school. It's not going to come from what people say about them. It is not going to come from what they watch on television or what we allow them to interact with and listen to via internet or social media. That our number one job is to confirm their identity. And that's the job of all parents because every child wrestles with this question of, am I good enough? They may never ask it, But an inherent responsibility in every child is to affirm that. Now, it looks a little different from 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 girls to boys, but the question is still the same. So with Eden, you know, everything that she does, it's important that she gets either my approval or or my wife's approval. That's really, really important. So when she does something, whether she's drawing or whether she's performing, the number one approval that she's looking for is from her parents. My son, Ethan, it looks a little bit different. He wants to wrestle. He wants to play sports. You know, he has a little bit more bravado, but all of that is really pushing towards the same end. He and Eden both want to know, dad, am I good enough? Am I okay? And all of those are identity questions that every child wrestles with. The challenge though, is that if the parent doesn't answer that, if the parent doesn't settle that, then they will forever start looking for an answer to that question. And ultimately, they look in the wrong places. So then we get into this place of insecurity and insufficiency when they begin to look to their peers uh, to get that question answered. And if they run into a mean person on the playground or, you know, a child that's not very nice in the classroom, then their self-esteem is dashed. Their sense of self-worth is questioned. Because they never should have allowed that person to be the one to answer the question. It ultimately has to come from the parents. So that's where we start with this notion of identity. And then, you know, the ball continues to roll down the road of significance and perspective. So that's what started. That's awesome. So we'll, I want to get to significance and perspective in a second, but, but on the subject of identity and even, you know, I've been a full-time teacher for the last almost 10 years in a variety of settings for different age groups and lots of different ways. But what sticks out to me, and even as a parent, I mean, so much of their worth and their security and the confidence that they begin to develop in those early years is tied to what they do, what they can produce. It's tied to, you know, something that they can create, or even as you're talking, right, if she creates a picture, or if he does, does well in sports, you're there to affirm that. But as a parent, how do you separate out the, the actions and the choices that they make 
I mean, obviously choices are related to who we are, but how do you see as you're trying to guide their character development and root them in the truth of not only what God says about them, but who they are and who, and who's speaking from the inside as they perceive themselves? How do you separate out their, their feelings about who they are from their actions and from the, the experience that they, that they have externally? You speak to identity more than you speak to performance. Mm. Meaning you, you want to sow into, encourage, and challenge and cause them to acknowledge and appreciate their who above and beyond their do. And that's a really big deal. Identity is not based on your do. And you're right. A lot of people build their lives and even build the identity of their children around it. The problem with that, though, is that what do you do when your child doesn't perform well? You know, and if you built this sense of identity on what they do and one day when they're doing is not good enough, their whole sense of self-worth collapses. And so there are things like mantras and things that, you know, I repeat and recite with with my children. One of the things that I'll often ask them is, who are you? You know, just that's a random question as we're riding in the car or as they face a, a, a tough issue, maybe at school or as they're you know, going over some summer reading and they come into a a challenging chapter or maybe challenging math assignment and they want to quit. The first question I ask them is, who are you? And and there's kind of a little mantra that we recite. You know, they say, I'm I'm a I'm a moody. I am. I'm a Christian. You know, there's a little mantra that we recite. But I ask that question intentionally because I always want to call call attention to the fact that who you are is so much greater than what you're facing in this moment and is so much bigger than your performance. And if you can solidify that, then they can bounce back to, to better performances. They can rebound after a bad performance because what I am intentionally doing is separating their sense of self from what they do. And that is absolutely critical in life because you and I have seen so many people who've gone through life and they've based their sense of self based on their performance and they run into that brick wall or they have that assignment that is just uh, overwhelming at one point. And because they can't handle it, they begin to really question who they are internally. And that never should be the case. Gosh, what what this makes me think of are are even just the moments that kids are riding to and from school in the car and what are parents asking them? It's everything to do with what are you doing today, right? What do you have going on at school today? What's going on in your classes? What are you looking forward to be doing at school? And then once they get back in the car, the, the conversation about identity and the who isn't really there. It's what are you going to do? And then you're sort of assessing that when they get back in the car, like how did that go? Did, did yep. it go the way you thought? Was the outcome, did, did you expect the outcome? Was the outcome positive or negative? So it sounds like what you're saying in, in that it, a good idea, at least a place to start would be to separate that conversation and not focus so much on here are the things you're going to do during the day. Let's think about the outcome, maybe when the day is over, but just talking to them about that bigger picture. What, what defines you as a human being? Like your, your unique impression that you're about to make on the world has, has so much more to do with just your, your action items or your to-do list for whatever day you're heading into. Absolutely. Because it's your who, your identity that fuels what you do. So it's a, it's a, it's a really subtle, but really big distinction. 
And if you can begin to have those conversations with your children so that they begin to understand that, then it changes the whole landscape of life for them. And then another important component for parents is to not just talk about it, but to model it. Mm -hmm. And so when you have those conversations with your children about this is why we believe this way or this is why mom and dad has chosen to go in this direction or even why we have chosen to do this versus to not do this. We've done that because of who we are. So even in having those conversations about, you know, you saw us do this. Well, let me tell you why we did this, because this is who we are. This is what we believe. And so, you know, I I don't know a parent that hadn't had an issue with their child running into maybe a bully or running into someone that wasn't nice to them, however you want to define it. And those are opportunities. You know, I've had uh, a number of conversations with Eden about, okay, so. So how do we respond to that? How do we handle that? Why do we handle it this way? Or why do you think you ought to handle it that way? Ultimately, it's going to come back to who we are. Because as believers, Dad, we we ought to treat people this way. And that's what I'm after. Because right now, at nine years old, it may be the, the young girl who was not nice to her in school. But then at 25 years old, it'll be something else. So I can't control the experience. But what I can really help to do is to develop who she is, because if I develop that the right way, she can navigate through any experience. I love hearing that. And and what another just quick takeaway that, that came out of this conversation of identity and the first component of the I factor is the fact that you're asking so many questions of your kids. And you're not telling, I mean, so much of parenting, especially in that early season is, okay, we go here and you do this and then, oh, you're not doing that right. So let me correct that behavior. And it's me just imposing my will for your behavior on you. But what I hear you doing is, is asking questions is saying, well, what do, what do, what does the Bible say about this? But how do we feel about this situation? How are you affected by it? Who are you? And you get so much more substance, real stuff out of, in this case, the person that you're trying to draw it out of by not giving them the answers, by just truly asking questions and allowing them to think through and arrive at the place where you want them to be. Absolutely. It's really the big difference between head and heart. And all real change happens at the heart level. All real discipleship happens at the heart level. All real development happens at the heart level. And so it's a it's a subtle change in in parenting style. Some people may argue that it's a philosophical uh, difference, but I would much rather touch their heart and have identity formed in their heart than to twist their arm to try to get or solicit a particular behavior. Because my big concern is, OK, if, if I go that route and I just want to elicit a certain behavior, what do you do when I'm not there? You know, or what do you do when an experience comes for which you have no point of reference and you can't depend on me? You can't pick up the phone and call dad. Then what are you going to do? And if and if I spent 18, 20 years twisting your arm without really connecting with your heart, then we're in trouble. But if I've connected with your heart and I and I see the identity formed in your heart, I see the discipleship and the development that's happening in your heart. And I'm no, and I'm going to know that it's happening in your heart because I'm going to see it in your behavior. Right. So then at that point, 
you're ready. You're ready for life. You're ready for adulthood. You're ready for the challenges that are, that are going to come. So for, for me and my wife, that's really the approach that we've taken. And you're right. It does. It does revolve around a lot of questions, challenging your kids to be introspective. Um, you know, what's interesting is educationally, there are a lot of things that our children learn. Um, and there are you know, lots of theories about the seven different types of competencies that are important. Uh, some people argue that in school, our kids are really only tested on two of them. Um, but I argue that what children and just people in general need to survive is the ability to, first of all, navigate intrapersonal relationships, meaning how do you deal with you? What's happening in your heart? Why do you feel that way? What do you think about yourself? And it's the intrapersonal relationship and the development that then allows people to have healthy interpersonal relationships. So I don't want my children to not be social, but their ability to be social and to do that well, because obviously I'm not I'm not suggesting you ignore the external. Right. But I am suggesting that you intentionally develop the intrapersonal internally so that they can externally be effective. And you can't do one without the other. So that's really the philosophical approach that we're taking that really gets to identity, significance, and perspective. That makes a lot of sense when you think about the way that, I mean, culture would have our kids focus on the exterior and what's coming at you and, and, and where's your place in that. But we know that God looks at the interior and when he designed us, he ultimately designed us from the inside out. So as we think through identity and significance and perspective, like obviously as I read those three and I'm thinking about Eden and just all girls everywhere, my own daughter and, and the next generation, identity is a huge one. But as you make your way through some of these different dynamics that you're saying are essential to helping, you know, us live the life that God had planned when he designed and authored the story of our life, how does significance and finding your purpose enter into that conversation, at least for you? Oh, well, that's really a big one as well, uh, particularly from a father to a daughter. Um you know, daughters really, really wonder about this. And they raise this question in a variety of ways. And one of the main jobs of a father, I mean, now this is not just exclusively a father's job, but this is also a really important job that fathers have is to solidify that sense of significance in their daughter's lives. Um, it is typified. It has been typified through media for years with the prince and the princess, you know, that the princess feels valued, she feels beautiful, she feels significant by how the prince handles her. Well, as children, their first prince is their father. And so for me, this notion of sealing in Eden's life and also my son's life, that they were created for something very, very special, that, that God only created one of them, that his unique DNA and his unique purposes for their life is why they are here. Uh, and that that cannot be denied, that cannot be ignored, that that is what infuses everything else uh, is significantly important. And every opportunity I get, I say that to them. You know, one of the things that's kind of one of our family traditions is we, we talk about their birth. And around our home, there are tons of photo albums and pictures of of them as infants and their birth. And we often talk about that. And they will often ask, Dad, how did you feel when you when you heard that mommy was going to be pregnant with me? And I, and I tell them 
you know, how I felt and how amazing uh, they are, but their birth was to us. Because what I always want to do is I want to infuse that, you know what, man, I was born for something special, uh, that I wasn't an accident. I often say that there may be something called accidental parents, but there are no accidental births that every child that's born was born for a special purpose. And so it comes across in my language. It comes across in in how I value them, how I build them up, because I, I want them to wrestle with that, that, wait a minute, this is something big. Like God has something very special for me. And even in our time together, in our prayer time, in our conversations, uh, it all is going to come back or pivot on one of these three in some way, shape, or form, identity, significance, and perspective. But I stress that, that they are not called to be ordinary. They were not created to be average, uh, that God created them for something very special uh, for his kingdom purpose. And I want them to embrace that early on. I want them to see life through that lens instead of waiting until they're 25 and saying, now what am I going to do with my life? Now, we want to start that discussion right now. That's exactly what I think of, too. And as somebody who, you know, had a very rocky relationship with the Lord, I, I, you know, I walked away from my faith for 10 years, and it wasn't until I was 26 that I was asking those questions. And what what's so exciting, I think, for me, and even just, you know, in the work we do at Bible Bells, but just for the larger community of people who really do want to impact this next generation of kids, you've got to ask those questions early. There's no sense in preparing them, you know, intellectually and, and from an education standpoint for the things they're going to see in high school and college and then on to adulthood and whatever career they take. There's absolutely no reason you can't be asking the question of significance. God, what is the bigger reason that you've got me on this planet? Let's be looking as a family for the opportunities where God has work for you to step into. And it's so exciting to hear you say that you've you've sort of decided to to own that as a family. And you're, you're asking for two different children who are very different in heart and personality and their abilities. And But the question is the same. Let's go find that together, that bigger plan and purpose God has for your life. Absolutely. 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 Just makes makes parenting and thinking about the work that we have to do as parents. I say have to because a lot of times, and most mostly we've got moms listening, but a lot of times we feel bogged down by the work that it is to be a mom. But thinking about these bigger picture ideas and coming alongside our kids and actually being in this conversation, guiding them toward God's purpose for them, get, I mean, gives me an energy that I know moms can feel on the other end of this going, yeah, motherhood's hard, but we've got work to do and we can do it together as a family. You know, one of the things that is kind of a guiding thought for me, and uh, I want to share this because I am in so, uh, so much agreement with what you just said, parenting is a lot of work. But it is the greatest privilege that I think God has given us. You know, and a lot of people complain about uh, the harvest, but we don't bother to sow any different seeds. And and that is something that I think we miss. Um, people want a different harvest or a different crop, but they don't want to plant anything. And so when you think about the current state of the world and whether you agree with it, whether you're frustrated by a number of things, the greatest hope that I have is that God has given us right now the ability to shape the next generation, which is which is what pushes me when I'm tired, which keeps me grounded and is kind of a constant reminder of this awesome opportunity and privilege, you know, to be a father and to be a parent. And so I, I just felt 
led to share that because I hope uh, for those listening that that's not lost on them, you know, because you're right. We get tired. The endless list of things to do um, in in parenting is just, uh, man, it is it's a lot. But at the same time, what gets us out of bed early, sometimes too early, uh, what keeps us up late, what keeps keeps us up late when we want to sleep is this sense of purpose. And it should drive you because it does. It drives me every single day. And I think it says a whole bunch about how God feels about us, that he would entrust us uh, with his precious and prized possession. You know, you don't have to read very far into the Gospels uh, to really find out how Jesus feels about children. And children are very, very precious in the sight of God. And the mere fact that he has entrusted us um, to shepherd them, to steward their lives for his kingdom purposes, it's an awesome privilege and an awesome responsibility. And it should infuse a lot of passion and and purpose and power and, and drive in every parent. I love that, you know, and, and this conversation I know has been meaningful for me and, and so many of the people who are listening who do want to impact this next generation and who, you know, f- maybe feel the, the, the tired feelings of, of being bogged down by all of the to-do lists and things you've got to do, but ultimately being able to see it through the lens of these are three just very complex ideas to wrap your head around and identity significance and perspective, but at the same time, it's so simple to be able to just segment them and start these conversations, ask questions around each of these topics and get that conversation going. And And the spirit can move mightily when we just take those first steps. So I appreciate the opportunity to relay this information in a way that, that parents can use it because I know it's, you know, it's for adults and, and the next generation of, of leaders and influencers who are working in the adult world. But this conversation is so important for us that are, that are mentoring and in the lives of kids to, to be able to grow them up in in, you know, in just a different way of thinking that's going to guide them directly into God's purposes. So it's really, really exciting. Um, as we wrap up, and I'll, I'll give you a chance at the end to kind of to let people know how to connect with you. But I wondered if you have, you know, in this season of your life, as your kids are younger and, and growing in these three different dynamics, is there a success story or a story that stands out um, maybe a conversation that you've had with um, with one of them that y- you feel like the work that you're doing or the effort that you're pouring in is making that difference. I was wondering if you would share that with us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I alluded to it earlier. Um, this past year was uh, a great year for both of our kids. And, you know, it's very interesting to see how both of them are emerging into amazing leaders because that's a question that I would ask them every day when I take them to school, when I pick them up, I would always ask them, are you a leader or are you a follower? Um, and they, their response is, I'm a leader. And initially, when we started raising these questions, you know, it didn't really seal, didn't really settle in. I don't think it was sealed in their hearts quite yet, the gravity of what that meant. But this past year to really see both of them, but in particular, my daughter, who's older, embrace that and for her to be able to come home and say, you know, dad, I decided to do this instead of this because I'm a leader and not a follower. Or I had a difficult situation and someone was mean to me 
but I did not respond in an ugly way. I responded this way because as as a believer, this is what we're supposed to do. And besides that, you know, I'm a leader and not a follower. And those things just bring joy to my heart to see their interaction with other children, to see how they are embracing these concepts that we talk about, but how it has permeated their heart and it is evident in their actions just gives me great, great, great joy. And so I am very, very grateful. I don't think there's a day that goes by that in some way, shape or form in my time with the Lord, I I don't spend significant time just saying thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to not just write books and to not just lead a great church and impact people globally, but greater than all of that. Thank you for the opportunity to, number one, to be in my children's life and and to make that contribution. And it is such a rewarding sense. It's It brings a, a level of fulfillment that is hard to communicate and quantify, but it is much more valuable than any dollar amount. And so I'm just, I'm so grateful. It is a joy to watch them grow, um, to see God's hand on them, and to know that in some small way, I was a part of that. It's just amazing. Beautiful words spoken. And just, <laughs> you know, my hope for people as we wrap up is that they would just be inspired to to have that uh, approach and perspective you know, with regard to the work that they're doing to bless kids, because we do, as you said, have such an incredible opportunity to impact the next generation and simultaneously usher in God's glory on this earth uh, through the work that we do as parents. So thank you so much for being here. I can't even tell you what what a just a gift and a blessing that this was to to be in conversation with you about this. Um, and I, I have so much more to talk to you about, but I know your time is so, is so valuable. So I know we have to wrap up, but, um, when we end each episode, we do it with something called the scoop and it's sort of three rapid fire questions. So I will start them when you're ready. Sure. Okay. So the first question, this podcast is all obviously called heroes for her. We are all about highlighting positive role models for the next generation of girls. When you were younger, who was your hero? Absolutely. My mother. No doubt about it. Second question. What is a piece of advice that you've received that has impacted your life in a powerful way? Uh, Probably. I received a lot. So I think if I had to settle on one, I would say, to thine own self be true. Great words of William Shakespeare, but also given to me by a mentor years before I ever read the book. Getting to the core of who you are and living from that place is success. Last question, and it's inspired by the the fact that I read about you that you like to ride Harley Davidson motorcycles. (laughs) And every time I see one now... I think about my daughter because she she'll see one on the street and tell me that she wants to ride one. I'm like, you're three years old. You need to calm down. Um, but it makes me think of just like superhuman abilities because I've never ridden a motorcycle and it's just like y- y'all are a special breed of people. Um, third question. If you could have a secret superpower, what would it be? I would want to cure all of the world's problems. That will be my superpower. 
Pastor Van Moody, thank you so much for being here. I, I want to take a little time just at the end of today's episode for you to let people know the best place to connect with you to find out more about what you're doing. And if people are looking for these powerful resources to connect leadership and the qualities that we want to build inside our kids' identities and significance and perception, where can they go to connect with you and find out more about what you're doing? One of the easiest places is vanmoody.org. And so a ton of information about me, social media, all of that is on that site. Uh, They can also connect with a lot of my resources there, or they can find any of the books at anywhere uh, books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. But uh, vanmoody.org has a lot of great resources and information for them. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed our conversation, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, thoughts about the episode, or ideas about how we can come together and support our girls, we would absolutely love to hear from you. You can email us at hello at BibleBells.com. Just let